Chapter Twenty of the Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. The Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins by Robert Paltick, Chapter Twenty. I had, ever since our marriage, been desirous of seeing Yorky fly, but this was the first opportunity I had of it, and indeed the sight was worthy of all the attention I paid it. For I desired her slowly to put herself in proper order for it, that I might make my observation the more accurately, and shall now give you an account of the whole apparatus, though several parts of the description were taken from subsequent views for it would have been impossible to have made just remarks of everything at that once, especially as I only viewed her back parts then. I told you before, I had seen her grandee open, and quite extended as low as her middle, but that being in the grotto by lamplight, I could not take so just a survey as now, when the sort of light we ever had was at the brightest. She first threw up two long branches, or ribs of the whalebone, as I called it before, and indeed for several of its properties, as toughness, elasticity, and pliableness, nothing I have ever seen can so justly be compared to it, which were jointed behind to the upper bone of the spine, and which, when not extended, lie bent over the shoulders on each side of the neck, forwards, from whence, by nearer and nearer approaches, they just meet at the lower rim of the belly in a sort of point. But, when extended, they stand their whole length above the shoulders, not perpendicularly, but spreading outwards, with a web of the softest and most pliable and springy membrane that can be imagined, in the interstice between them, reaching from their root or joint on the back, up above the hinder part of the head, and near halfway their own length. But, when closed, the membrane falls down in the middle upon the neck, like a handkerchief. There are also two other ribs rising, as it were, from the same root, which, when open, run horizontally, but not so long as the others. These are filled up in the interstice between them and the upper ones with the same membrane. And on the lower side of this is also a deep flap of the membrane, so that the arms can be either above or below it in flight and are always above it when closed. This last rib, when shut, flaps under the upper one, and also falls down with it before to the waist, but is not joined to the ribs below. Along the whole spine bone runs a strong, flat, broad, grisly cartilage, to which are joined several other of these ribs, all which open horizontally, and are filled in the interstices with the above membrane and are joined to the ribs of the person just where the plane of the back begins to turn towards the breast and belly, and, when shut, wrap the body round to the joints on the contrary side, folding neatly one side over the other. At the lower spine are two more ribs, extended horizontally when open, jointed again to the hips, and long enough to meet the joint on the contrary side across the belly, and from the hip joint, which is on the outermost edge of the hip bone, runs a pliable cartilage quite down the outside of the thigh and leg to the ankle, from which there branch out diverse other ribs horizontally also when open. But when closed, 
they encompass the whole thigh and leg, rolling inwards across the back of the leg and thigh till they reach and just cover the cartilage. The interstices of these are also filled up with the same membrane. From the two ribs which join to the lower spine bone, there hangs down a sort of short apron, very full of plates, from hip joint to hip joint, and reaches below the buttocks, halfway or more to the hams. This has also several small limber ribs in it. Just upon the lower spine joint, and above the apron, as I call it, there are two other long branches, which, when close, extend upon the back from the point they join at below to the shoulders, where each rib has a clasper, which, reaching over the shoulders, just under the fold of the uppermost branch or ribs, hold up the two ribs flat to the back like a V, the interstices of which are also filled up with the aforesaid membrane. This last piece, in flight, falls down almost to the ankles, where the two claspers lapping under each leg with inside hold it very fast, and then, also, the short apron is drawn up by the strength of the ribs in it, between the thighs forward, and covers the pudenda and groin as far as the rim of the belly. The whole arms are covered also from the shoulders to the wrist, with the same delicate membrane, fastened to ribs of proportionable dimensions, and jointed to a cartilage on the outside, in the same manner as on the legs. It is very surprising to feel the difference of these ribs when open and when closed. For closed, they are as pliable as the finest whalebone, or more so. But when extended, are as strong and stiff as a bone. They are tapering from the roots, and are broader or narrower, as best suits the places they occupy, and the stress they are put to up to their points, which are almost as small as a hair. The membrane between them is the most elastic thing I ever met with, occupying no more space, when the ribs are closed, than just from rib to rib, as flat and smooth as possible. But when extended in some postures, will dilate itself surprisingly. This will be better comprehended by the plates, where you will see several figures of glums and gauries in different attitudes than can be expressed by words. As soon as my wife had expanded the whole grandee, being upon plain ground, she stooped forward, moving with a heavy wriggling motion at first, which put me into some pain for her. But after a few strokes, beginning to rise a little, she cut through the air like lightning, and was soon over the edge of the rock, and out of my sight. It is the most amazing thing in the world to observe the large expansion of this grandee when open, and when closed, as it all is in a moment upon the party's descent, to see it sit so close and compact to the body, as no tailor can come up to it. And then the several ribs lie so justly disposed in the several parts, that, instead of being, as one would imagine, a disadvantage to the shape, they make the body and limbs look extremely elegant, and by the different adjustment of their lines on the body and limbs, the whole, to my fancy, somewhat resembles the dress of the old Roman warriors in their buskins, and, to appearance, seems much more noble than any fictitious garb I ever saw, or can frame a notion of to myself. Though these people, in height, shape, and limb, very much resemble the Europeans, there is yet this difference— that their bodies are rather broader and flatter, and their limbs, though as long and well-shaped, 
are seldom as thick as ours and this i observed generally in all i saw of them during a long time among them afterwards but their skin for beauty and fairness exceeds ours very much my wife having now taken her second flight i went home and never left my children till her return this was three days after our parting i was in bed with my little ones when she knocked at the door i soon let her in and we received each other with a glowing welcome the news she brought me was very agreeable she told me she first went and pried into every nook in the ship where she had seen such things could we get at them as would make us very happy then she set out the way i told her to go in order to find the gulf she was much afraid she should not have discovered it though she flew very slow that she might be sure to hear the waterfall and not overshoot it it was long ere she came at it but when she did she perceived she might have spared most of her trouble had she set out the other way for after she had flown almost round the island and not before she began to hear the fall and upon coming up to it found it to be not above six minutes flight from the ship she said the entrance was very narrow and she thought lower than i represented it for she could scarce discern any space between the surface of the water and the archway of the rock i told her that might happen from the rise or fall of the sea itself but i was glad to hear the ship was no farther from the gulf for my head was never free from the thoughts of my ship and cargo she then told me she had left a small bundle for me without the wood and went to look after her children i brought up the bundle and though it was not near so large as the other i found several useful things in it wrapped up in four or five yards of dark blue woolen cloth which i knew no name for but which was thin and light and about a yard wide i asked her where she met with this stuff she answered where there was more of it under a thing like our bed in a cloth like our sheet which she cut open and took it out of well says i and what will you do with this why i will make me a coat like yours says she for i don't like to look different from my dear husband and children no yorky replied i you must not do so if you make such a jacket as mine there will be no distinction between glum and gawry footnote man and woman in footnote the gowran prave footnote modest woman in footnote in my country would not on any account go dressed like a glum for they wear a fine flowing garment called a gown that sits tight about the waist and hangs down from thence in folds like your barras footnote the black flap of the grandee end footnote almost to the ground so that you can hardly discern their feet and no other part of their body but their hands and face and about as much of their neck and breasts as you see in your grandee yorkie seemed highly delighted with this new fancied dress and worked day and night at it against the cold weather whilst she employed herself thus i was busied in providing my winter stores which i was forced to do alone now herself and children taking up all my wife's time about a fortnight after she had begun mantua making she presented herself to me one day as i came from work in her new gown and truly considering the scanty description i had given her of such a garment it appeared a good comely dress 
though it had not one plate about the body it sat very tight there too and yet hung down full enough for a countess for she would have put it all in all the stuff she had had there been as much more of it i could see no opening before so i asked her how she got it on she told me she laid along on the ground and crept through the plates at the bottom and sewed the body round her after she had got her hands and arms through the sleeves i wondered at her contrivance and smiling showed her how she should put it on and also how to pin it before and after she had done that and i had turned up about half a yard of sleeve which then hung down to her fingers ends i kissed her and called her my countrywoman of which and her new gown she was very proud for a long time end of chapter twenty recording by james k white chula vista